This is Off-Season Dodger Talk. Call 866-987-2578. And now your host for Off-Season Dodger Talk, David Bassett. We are with you until 8 o'clock tonight right here on AM570 LA Sports. Coming up in 30 minutes, you'll hear from Dodgers top pitching prospect Bobby Miller as the minor leaguers are at Camelback Ranch getting ready for the season. On Friday night is our next show, and Max Muncy will be our special guest Friday night. But we have a very special guest joining us right now. He is the number one information and breaking newsman when it comes to Major League Baseball. His context in writings is above none, and he is, or is above all, excuse me, Ken, uh, first time on the show, maybe his last after that. The one and only from The Athletic and Fox Sports, Ken Rosenthal. How you doing, Ken? Well, David, considering my diminutive stature, maybe I am above none. <laughs> hey, see, <laughs> I get nervous. There, my man. I get nervous when I got somebody on the show for the first time. Oh, please, you don't get nervous. <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> Ken, uh, I think you've provided such great context Uh not only in this situation, but over the years, you lived the 94-95 lockout. Uh, is there anything that makes you feel like uh, this is somewhat of the same argument that they had back then as far as concern over big market team spending? That was part of the 94-95 strike. There's no question, David. And frankly, I don't have a great memory of that. It was a long time ago. <laughs> but... It was ugly. There was a lot of different dynamics in play then. The Yale was much more in a dominant position than it is today. It was led by Donald Fear at the time, Gene Orza, and these guys were very strong leaders. There was a long history at the time of tension between the sides. There had been many multiple work stoppages leading up to 94, 95, this is a different time. We haven't had a work stoppage since. This is the first one. So it's something of a new experience for the players. They are quite galvanized. I will say that. There's not much doubt about it. They've been quite strong through this. Now we'll see if it holds as time goes on, if they indeed miss paychecks. But the small market, large market dynamic is part of this. And one of the things I've heard over the last couple of days is, hey, you can't expect the players to solve that. And that's true to a certain extent. So there's just so many layers to these things that I wouldn't pin it on one thing. But if you ask me if that tension exists, I certainly believe it does. With all that being said, Ken, from your knowledge of the way these negotiations have gone and the way they've gone this past week, how did they get this done? How do they meet in the middle and split the difference? I don't know. And when I say that, I say that, David, because the tension is so high, the distrust is so high, the antipathy from one side to the other and back is so high that I don't know exactly how they're going to get back to the table. And it may take that month of April for it to happen because then the economics change a little bit. The local TV contracts start requiring teams to give rebates to the local networks. Ideally, what I would like to see, what we all would like to see, is them to get back at the table Thursday, Friday, well, Thursday, tomorrow, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, whatever, and just hammer this thing out. They weren't close the other night. The union never thought they were close. 
but they're at least in the same areas. And it seems to me there is a deal to be had. I don't understand the pride that is preventing that from happening, particularly on the owner's side. If, in my mind, and I've written it, they're going to win. They win. It's just a matter of by how much. The current system works to their benefit. This system will require them to pay some additional guaranteed money, but they're going to get some money, too, to expand the playoffs. And it's to the benefit of them, to the benefit of the players, if they bend toward the players in the areas they want, the luxury tax thresholds in particular, I don't think this is worth losing games over. I wrote this game, I can't remember, it was maybe back in December, and I wrote not a single game should be lost, and I still believe that. But I don't know that that is going to come to pass. The two things that I brought as far as the player side of things, Ken, they were the ones that prioritized extra seats on the bus, better food in the clubhouse, yep. extra days off in the last collective bargaining agreement. Colin McHugh, I thought, had great perspective, saying that you can't expect us to get everything back in this one negotiation. Do you feel the players understand that, and are they going for everything, or do you feel like they are conceding things? Early on, yes, they were going for everything. Because why not, right? You can always ask. The owners basically said no changes in the time to free agency. It's going to stay six years. They said we're not moving on arbitration eligibility, and they have not. They said they're not moving on revenue sharing, and they have not. The union has had to concede in all three areas. The owners will say, well, there's no concessions because they never were getting those things in the first place. Hmm. But if you say that the players are asking for everything, they're not, at least anymore. What they want is, the, like I said, the higher thresholds, the increased pre-R pool, the increased minimum salaries beyond what the owners have offered. And should they get that to some degree, then this deal becomes not a triumph for them necessarily, but a step forward. And that is probably all they can ask. You're right. They gave up a lot in the last two deals. They made some mistakes. And the way the world works, you don't get it all back at once. They'd like mm -hmm. to, but it's not going to happen that way. You start here, then perhaps in five years, when the next CBA comes up, revenues are back. We don't have a pandemic, hopefully. And then you get a little bit bigger chunk. Ken Rosenthal is joining us from The Athletic and Fox Sports. He's the senior writer for The Athletic. He's the reason why, I guess, and Andy McCullough, the two reasons why I subscribe to The Athletic, Ken. I don't want to leave Andy out. but Don't leave uh, Andy out, David. I'll tell him. <laughs> you want to talk some hot stove, Ken? Get off this labor talk? Maybe uh, be in fantasy land that this is going to end soon? Let's do it. Freddie Freeman. Uh, there were discussions between him and the Dodgers in December before the lockout. Chipper Jones seemed to be paving the way to brace Braves fans that he may be leaving. What are your sources telling you about Freddie leaving Atlanta and the chances he lands here in Los Angeles? The chances of him leaving are greater than they've ever been, and it's real. He, I believe, will leave for the right offer. This has gone on with the Braves going back to spring training. They, I don't believe, made him an offer then, or if they did, it wasn't sufficient, quite obviously. They made him an offer, I believe, in August. That was insufficient as well. And in the exclusive period after the World Series ended, there was nothing. Through November, there was nothing. So he understands now that he may have to look elsewhere. And because he's Freddie Freeman, one of the great players in the game, he has options. L.A., from a personal standpoint, would be very appealing. He's from Orange County, of course. 
The Blue Jays are also interested. His parents are both born in Canada, the Yankees. They always have appeals to players. But I would think that if the Dodgers want Freddie Freeman, they've got a real shot at him. And I do believe he will leave for the right offer. And, David, you know this better than I. For the Dodgers, he's a really good fit. The Los Seegers, left-handed bat, Freddie Freeman gives you that. Now, I know he's an older guy in baseball terms, 31-32, and the Dodgers, like all teams, oh, my gosh, we can't find somebody <laughs> that age. But sometimes you do that. They did it with Justin Turner. And Freddie Freeman still looks like a pretty darn good player, and he's still, I think he still will be for the next few years. Is it easier to digest with the universal DH, Ken, moving forward, signing a player that's 32 years old? Yes, and that's a good point. And it's interesting with the universal DH. In some ways, it's not the attractive piece to players that it would have been 20 years ago because so many teams rotate their DHs and do not use a primary DH. Last year, there was Nelson Cruz, there was J.D. Martinez, maybe one or two others, but... Teams, for the most part, use that to rest players and all that. But four corner infielders and corner outfielders who might not have done as well in free agency as they age, this, in my view, for National League teams, gives them a better opportunity. And, yes, that does make it more palatable to the Dodgers, I would think, regarding Freddie Freeman. You know, I mentioned, Ken, that Max Muncy is going to be our guest on Friday night. Uh, it feels like nobody really knows the status of his right elbow since he went public and said, yeah, there's a real issue there. I guess that would be another layer to the need for Freddie Freeman. Certainly is. And one of the odd things about this lockout is the teams can't talk to players. They can't know exactly where they are medically. Now, do I believe certain teams are back channeling and figuring out things that way? Yes. I did a story on Nick Madrigal of the Cubs earlier, and the Cubs are actually allowed to talk to the independent athletic trainers he's working for, the physical therapist, can't talk to Nick. So I imagine the Dodgers can do that with Kershaw, with, uh, with Muncie, anybody else that they might be concerned about or coming off an injury. But at the same time, there is uncertainty with Max Muncie, and I don't know that that drives the Freddie Freeman thing, because Max, of course, can play multiple positions, even if healthy, but it's certainly a factor as well. Ken, before I let you go, the elephant in the room in Los Angeles is Trevor Bauer and his status. And with the lockout, uh, obviously there's no resolution to this point, but the L.A. District Attorney's Office, as you know, did not charge him. So where does this stand with Bauer? Do you believe that he'll still get suspended because of everything that's unfolded uh, in the courts or what hasn't unfolded in the courts? And do you believe he might be a Dodger again? Well, baseball's domestic violence policy makes it quite clear that a player need not be charged or found guilty to be suspended under the policy. So, yes, it is certainly quite possible Trevor Bauer will be suspended. And I don't want to guess, but I expect he's going to get discipline of some kind, and that would involve some kind of suspension. Will he play for the Dodgers again? I sort of have a hard time believing it, but there's a huge economic component to this discussion and that's going to have to be resolved one way or the other. And that's why we want the luxury tax at $300 million, Ken. <laughs> I'm sure, David. That would help. That would help. <laughs> that's that not what Dodger fans want. <laughs> no, I understand. I understand. 
Hey, great to hear your voice, Ken. Uh, your voice is always great in print, but I'm glad I could share it with uh, Dodger fans here in Los Angeles and have some fun and talk some baseball. Thanks, David. Thanks for having me, man. Thank you. There he goes, the great Ken Rosenthal. Love him. He's the man. And uh, Fox Sports baseball insider and the athletic senior writer. Appreciate him coming on the show. And I thought he gave some good insight to Freddie Freeman and Trevor Bauer along with the lockout. See, we don't just focus on the lockout. The lockout will resolve itself sooner rather than later, hopefully. But uh, when it does, should be very interesting. The free agent frenzy and the trades that are going to be made as soon as all of this ends. Joe Kelly even said it. Uh, you'll have uh, guys being signed at 4 in the morning. So they're going to meet again tomorrow, both sides, owners, players, and hopefully they can work towards a deal and get this thing resolved by the end of March and get baseball going and have opening day sometime in April. Um, and if that happens, um, as the great Chick Hearn would say, no harm, no foul. When we come back, your phone calls. Your reaction to what Ken Rosenthal had to say about Freddie Freeman, where things stand with Trevor Bauer, and also your thoughts on where baseball stands with this lockout. Day 91, but we're here for you. Dodger talk until 8 o'clock right here on AM570 LA Sports. Hey,